This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Tara Carter from Clovis, New Mexico, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 28th, episode 2004. This episode is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as the life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. Well, Tara is coming to us live from her pickup truck. <laughs> Where are you at? Yeah, exactly. We are in Pueblo, Colorado for a horse show this week. So we are we are making making it work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I got to compliment you on your dedication to this show because she forgot her microphones and where were you at 10 o'clock last night? We were we were at Walmart trying to figure out how to find a microphone. <laughs> and so I we walked in and I found a gaming headset. And uh, as we were getting ready to s- this morning to see if it all would work, Trevor was outside the truck. He would look in and he would act like he was an air traffic controller guiding me in for a landing, <laughs> and giving me a really hard time from outside. <laughs> well, you don't sound as deep and rich as you normally do, but it's sure better than having you on your phone. So appreciate mm-hmm. your efforts going out to Walmart at 10 o'clock at night, which is yeah. scary to begin with. That so. in and of itself, yeah, exactly. going to Walmart at 10 p.m. You know, actually, it was, this was, I was thinking to Trevor, I was like, wow, this is, this is a nice Walmart. So, I mean, not that they're not nice Walmarts, but. Exactly oh, no, I've been to some ghetto marts. <laughs> yeah. We, we had a ghetto mart in Lancaster that, oh, my God, by 10 o'clock at night, the whole parking lot was trashed and it was just awful. You never went there at 10 o'clock at night. But yeah. you're in Pueblo, Colorado. What possibly could go wrong? Tell us about Pueblo. We, we in our Colorado trip, we never got there. Well, Pueblo, it's got it's the it's where they have the Colorado State Fair every year, mm. and so they have a ton of stuff going on. Um, they have all kinds of horse shows. You know, right the day we got here, they were having a draft pool, and they have a gypsy show, and they have the big 4-H state show, and um, anyway, it's just, you know, every couple of days your people are checking out and other ones checking in for another event and it's always really well run and it's a fun place too, because, you know, then you have the fair going on you can go ride the rides. And so it's one of, it's one of our favorite shows to come to. So yeah. lots of food too. So you, you can get fat while you're showing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and this particular show has, like, right in the middle of all the arenas and all the barns 
it has a little restaurant that serves alcohol. So maybe that's another reason we all like this show. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that at state fairs too often like that. Not in the horse yeah. area. So that's good. Yeah. That's cool. So how many people, what kind of show are you at? And, uh, you know, how many people show up for this show? We are at a versatility ranch horse show. And every year they, they actually make this show a triple judge show. So it's really popular. Um, because you can come here and get a lot of points and, um, it meets some, it meets a lot of the requirements for the eligibility to qualify for the world show. So a lot of people come to the show. We, for our group, we actually took up a whole, whole row of a barn. Uh, there's about, I think there's 24 of us total. So we're all really excited to kind of have our own, own little party while we're here. <laughs> <laughs> you brought 24 people with you? Yeah. There, I think that in total there's. 20 and then we've got you know a feed stall and three tax stalls but it took us 24 wow that's a long trailer uh, yeah really yeah <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> so we all kind of came in from different places but we hauled i think we hauled 12 of them ourselves so wow and so now do you show at this show are you going to show too not at this show um i'll probably start showing next year maybe the year after but when we have this many folks, we, you know, part of what we do is we go out and we video the runs and then Trevor coaches them uh, afterward. And so they're all kind of in a year long program that just really helps them make the most out of their world show. So he supports them basically all the way up through there. So I'm going back and forth to all the arenas and filming and it just makes it easier when we film it with our equipment so that I don't have to, you know, find it and transfer it and, you know, file formats and all that stuff. So, so I'm pretty busy doing that. So you're Film playing Mama Hen, Mama Hen, and video videographer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and make sure we all eat at some point. <laughs> exactly. So what? What? Uh, how does the show work rounds wise? Or is there like a number of rounds? Or are you signing up for classes, uh, like at a jumping show? So how does that work? So I mean, for this particular discipline, you know, we have like the open and the amateur, um, like most people have, you know, a pro a professional division and a non, non-professional division. Um, but because there are cattle events, things can, you have to, you have different levels. So like in eventing, you know, where you have, um, you know, three star and, uh, I'm like showing my ignorance here on all of the eventing levels, but you have the different levels based upon, you know, the height of the jumps, et cetera. So, with cows, that's how we do it too. So at the very beginning level, you only do you only do what we call boxing, and you keep them on one end. And then the more advanced you get, the more you wake work yourself up to being able um, to take a cow and go take it down the fence and turn it and circle it in the middle of the arena or rope it, etc. So the the uh, amateur divisions are broken down into several different different pieces but really it's just you know you make the draw for that class everyone goes in shows that class and then they place you uh you know they place you according to the class but the thing about versatility ranch horse is they place you across multiple events for the all around so you may win reigning and you may place 10th in cutting or you know so and all of that is assigned different points and all of that averages out to place you in the all around. So sometimes, you know, we'll see like, uh, ex cutting horses will come and they'll bring them into versatility and that horse will, you know, blow everyone out of the water and cutting, but then, you know, it's kind of middle to the bottom of the pack and reigning. Uh, 
So it all equals out. So the, usually the horse that wins is, you know, ideally the most versatile horse. Hmm. Just like the pentathlon. You got to be yeah. good at a little bit of everything. Exactly. Huh. So now with with the way this works, um, is it over? Are you doing all those events in one day or is it spread over a couple of days? Sometimes we do all of those events in one day, especially when we do some of our stock course of Texas shows. But that's another reason we love coming to Pueblo is it's spread over three days. So, you know, all of us will go, we'll do two classes and then we're done early and we get to go and go out and have dinner as a group. And so it's a lot of fun. So it's really nice when it's spread over three days like this. Very cool. So, And um, you win lots of money, I'm sure. Sometimes you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's the difference yeah, between the... this and eventing. You mentioned eventing. <laughs> that's, that's the difference. We were all talking. Not always do you get ribbons. Normally, it's just kind of a payout. Uh, but at this show, they also do ribbons. And Diana, who we're going to have come on later today, she's like, I was looking at the show. This one has ribbons. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, everyone's a little bit pretty excited about being able to have yeah. some ribbons. Well, the too. inventors are sick of ribbons and really like to win some money. Jennifer, we never went to you. What is coming up on today's show? Before we get to what's on today's show, on the other hand, when it's payout and you get fifth place, what are you going to do? Take a dollar bill and stick it to the wall? Yeah, exactly. You want the ribbons. You can say to your friends, I got fifth place. But coming up on today's Western Training by Horsewear episode, Tara and Glenn are going to chat with Silver Creek Drill Team Captain Charlene DeSalm. Going to find all about what it is to be in a drill team and what it takes to get it done. And Versatility Ranch competitor Diana Greenhall is going to stop by and tell us all about her adventures. So stay tuned for the parade, folks. Thank you very much, Jennifer. So I do have a question while Jennifer's getting our first guest on here about the about the cows. Do the cows get conditioned? Do, so at a show like this, do they like in tennis? They replace the tennis balls every so many games. Do we have to switch cows out because they kind of get the? Oh, I'm supposed to do this after a while. Yes. Okay. Yes. So when when the cows come in for cutting, we typically do that event first. And so in the cutting, you know, you, you have a set usually of about 30 cows and they come in and then about 10 to 15 riders will work that set of 30 cows and then they'll take the cows out and then we redrag the arena and they go through a whole process of settling the cattle in the arena. Um, and that's so they stay where they're supposed to stay and all the riders get to look and pick out which ones they think will work their horse the best and all of this. So they'll use all those cows. Every time you go into a cutting, you should have fresh cows. But then what they do is then they take all those cows and then they set them. They basically use those cows later when you go in to do your fencing or your boxing, which is more in a big, wider open arena. So it actually pays, you know, like Trevor carries around a notepad and he's writing, you know, they identify every cow. And they pick which ones they want because someone might go before you and pick that cow. And then you got to, once they're used, they're not usually not as good, not as fresh. So you basically go down your list and then it pays to keep in track of who worked which cow and how that cow worked. Because then when you go in to draw your cow for the fence work, 
you they reuse those cows because they you know they have a different life and a different energy for a different event and so you kind of go oh yeah this one pushed on the horses or this one you know was a little slower and and all that so you try to recall that memory to to try to figure out how to work that cow the best so i mean that's that's a whole lot to take in and that's certainly something that the guys at the you know the riders at the open level take more into consideration me i'm just happy to take whatever i <laughs> exactly. whatever presents itself let's just see what we can do <laughs> and in a batch of 30 there has to be just one cow that just is a pain in the neck <laughs> and is not going to do anything you want it to do yes probably yeah. i i always feel like there's the ones that they just stick their tail up straight away and that, to me that's like a good indicator that it's about to get Western. So, <laughs> however, that. there was this, we watched this one cow the other day and he had his tail straight up in the air and he was like in slow motion. And it reminded me of one of my kids when they sort of get in trouble and they think they're running really fast away from you, but they're not. <laughs> so that's kind of what this one was like. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Let's uh, hear about our friends at Horseware. I had a chance to, you know, it is, uh, I know it's still warm out, but winter season is coming. And you're going to be thinking about blankets very shortly. And I had a chance at the last trade show to talk to them about their blankets for the Western side. And here is what they had to say. You're at the trade show, and I asked her a question. Horseware is really known for blankets and really well-known, and we use them all the time on the English side, but what do you have that fits that hard-to-fit, you know, quarter horse, the Western quarter horse? Our top seller into the Western market is our Bravo 12 Plus Medium, and the medium weight is a 250-gram fill. It comes with a hood that is detachable, um, and it's a 1,200 denier material. So I know that one of the things that's really important on the Western side is to have the hood, too. And I, the no hood... No fuzzy necks, please. No fuzzy necks, that's right. And the hood kind of attaches in a different way than most hoods. This is pretty cool. The hood attachment is to minimize any sort of rubbing. So the hook is on the inside of the rug, and then the attachment on the hood is a Velcro. Easy no off, snaps. Off, no, no snaps, snaps. right. No snaps. So it eliminates the rubbing on the eliminates neck. eliminates rubbing. And it, it's so important to actually keep that neck covered. Uh, you spend so much time trying to put condition on that neck. It's a huge, big muscle. And during the colder weather, you're defeating the purpose of having putting that, put that effort into maintaining that muscle if you don't have the hood on. Very good. And, of course, it has the quality. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because horseware has such quality, lasts such a long time, that I'm really glad to see there's something for the Western market now with that quality. Absolutely. Our, our pattern is fantastic. The fit, the functionality, it, our blankets. And it just lasts a long time. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And the other beauty with our rugs, they are actually crafted so that they don't need leg straps. So when you look at the graphics that we have in our magazines or on our website, you'll see horses at standing, um, trotting, galloping, um, and the, horse, the blanket is designed so that it stays in place and there's no slippage. Very good. Glenn loves that there's no leg straps. I love that. Yes. Horse husband approved. So now where can people find out more about the uh, horseware line of blanket? We have a website that gives a comprehensive um, information on all the sizes, colors, um, and options that are available, and that is horseware.com. And it also ha yeah, it makes it really easy to find out your size and to do all of that on there. I've been on there many times. Horseware.com. 
There you go. Well, thank you to Horseware. And they're, of course, sponsoring our coverage also at the World Equestrian Games coming up. If you're a rainer and like to hear about raining, we'll be doing daily wrap-up shows at the World Equestrian Games from Tryon all 14 days or so. And we'll also be covering the raining there. That's at 2018wegshow.com. 2018wegshow.com. Well, now coming up, we have our first guest. We have Charlene with us, who is with the Silver Creek Silver Creek Drill Team in Clarkston, Washington. Good morning, Charlene, and thank you for getting up so darn early. <laughs> oh, do we have Charlene? She went back to sleep. It's early there. She did. I, uh, J- Jennifer, <laughs> I, I got, can you hear us, Jennifer? Oh, nope. You can't because we just <laughs> lost our connection to the... Hold on a second, everybody. Take two. Thank you for calling horses in the morning. All right, I think we're back. Charlene, are you there? Yes, I am. All right, good. Sorry, we lost our connection there for a second. So Charlene, as I said, is with the Silver Creek Drill Team in Clarkston, Washington. We're going to talk a little bit about drill teams. Charlene, thank you for getting up so early. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Not a problem. Well, we, um, we, we've talked about drill teams in the past. I remember there is a big like national drill team competition or something in Texas that we talked about years ago. Um, and so how long have you been involved with drill teams? Well, I've been in dr- drill team pretty much all my life. I started as a kid. Um, my parents were in drill team. And then, um, you know, as life got busy, I took a break and Started back with the Tacoma Lariats in 2004, uh, drilled with them for quite a few years, and then moved to Eastern Washington in 2014. And I started Silver Creek in 2015 uh, in Eastern Washington in the Lewis Clark Valley. I think, like Jennifer, don't most people start in drill team when they're in 4H? Isn't that the starting point where everybody does drill team? Well, I don't know that actually 4-H has drill team. I know that high school equestrian team does have drill team. Um, it was the Palomino Patrol in San Antonio, Texas was kind of my starting point. Um, but that, uh, you know, that didn't have anything to do with 4-H. Hmm. Yeah, I know Jennifer was uh, was on 4-H drill teams. It might depend on what part of the country you're in, too. So... What what's a typical schedule of drill teams? Uh, and and it it ends up being mostly Western. Are there English drill teams? You know, I believe that they are. They call them quadrilles, though. Right. right. Um, and they do have them, you know, by fours. But a typical schedule of a drill team is practicing once to twice a week. Um, sometimes we go three times a week, uh, closer to competitions and performances. Uh, during those performances, it's an all-day thing. Um, we get there, we walk the drill, we practice the drill we on horseback, and then we get off horses, and then we walk the drill on foot some more. And uh, then right before we compete, we walk the drill, we practice the drill again on horseback, and then we go compete the drill. So it, it's quite a bit of, of riding uh, all the time. We practice from 
over here in eastern Washington from daylight savings time until probably October, November, till the weather gets too bad. We don't have as many covered arenas over in our area as some of the teams do, like over in western Washington. But, um, yeah, we go almost all year. Is it like is it like other sp- uh, disciplines and sports where there's mandatory requirements you have to do these things, uh, and then a freestyle? How how's the competition work? Oh yes, there's definite mandatories in drill. Uh, so you have several different divisions of drill team as far as the competitions and what drills you're drilling in. We have a freestyle drill, which can be generally up to 12 minutes, 6 to 12 minutes. And that is anything the team wants to put in the dirt. Uh, There's no requirements as far as number of riders, as far as maneuvers, so on and so forth. There's no costume requirements. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, their short program, which has to be under six minutes, and you can field there, again, as many riders as you want. I recommend not less than eight, but you can field as many as you want. Some fields, uh, some teams field between 12 and 16. There's compulsory drill. That's um, a definite number of riders. You have to field eight riders. Uh, every team does the same exact drill, uses the same exact music to the same exact uh, arena requirements. And then you have your quad drill, or four-man, as a lot of teams like to call it. And that's uh, four riders, and the drill has to be under four minutes. And that, as well as uh, anything goes in that. A lot of teams like to use costumes and do a theme. They theme their drill to their music. A lot of fun flags. Um, it it's quite uh, interesting to watch. And you guys have all ages, don't you? In in your particular group. Yes, we accept five to ninety five. It's based on skill. It's not based on age. Ooh. And who's the ninety five year old? <laughs> no, we don't have a ninety five year old right now. Okay. <laughs> Because I could. wanted to but, talk uh, to her. <laughs> what? Yeah. What no, are some? No. What are some of the things that you're scored? Like, what? How does the scoring system work? Is it like in the events that we're used to? They use pluses, minuses. Is it a scale of one to ten? So there's a certain number of points that you're allowed to get. Like, say on a scale of 400 points, um, you're scored on your spacing, your timing, your alignment. Uh, you're all you're given a score, um, say, between 1 and 100 or 1 and 75 on those areas. You're uh, scored on your theme, your cleanliness of your horse, the appropriateness of the horse, uh, the complexity of the drill, the the level of difficulty in the drill. If you use flags, that brings the level of difficulty higher. Um, You're uh, scored on your uniforms, uh, all sorts of things. Hmm. Do you, do you make your own costumes? Always wondered that. Do you make them or do you buy them? Is there a costume <laughs> design place for drill teams? Actually, there is. Uh, Hitch and Stitch uh, will make you 
horse costumes. I love that however, name, Hitch and Stitch. A lot of, <laughs> that's yeah. a great name. Yeah. <laughs> Not trying to advertise them, but she does amazing work. Um, but we do make most of all of our own costumes. We did a uh, Mary Poppins uh, drill a couple of years ago, and we put together all our, our own costumes. We've done... Uh, Lilo and Stitch now for Stitch. We did have to buy the costume off of uh, eBay, I believe it was, or Amazon. Um, and so, yeah, you put together your own costumes. We've done a, in the way past, a Alice in Wonderland, and one of the ladies made complete costumes for the horses, which was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so so we definitely make our own costumes and put stuff together, and sometimes it's last minute, and sometimes it takes months and months of of prep work doing it. I got to ask you about the horses. Is 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 it mostly quarter horses? I I know I've seen drill teams that have a little bit of everything, and then a follow up to that is in the quadrilles. Do you try and match your horses? Does that matter to the judges? Um, and let me. I'll, I'll address the last question yeah. first. In quadrille, yeah, you absolutely try to match your horses if you're doing a theme like we did the uh, Alice in Wonderland. And um, so I was Alice, and then my horse had uh, like a a theme that went over his breast collar and uh, part of his reins were covered, and it, it really looked like the... Um, something that would have come out of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of hard to describe, but yeah, you want your horse to match the rider. You want it to also match the music. So um, say if you're doing like a, uh, gosh, I can't even think right now. Yes, you definitely want the horse to match the rider and the music. Are there it's horses though theme. that that try this and just don't get it? I mean, is, is can you teach any horse to do this, or are there just some horses that don't want to be a part of this? That's exactly it. Not every horse will do drill. It doesn't make them a bad horse, right? When you think about drill, you're doing maneuvers that are nose to tail, side by side. Um, a horse can't kick, they can't bite, they have to be willing to get squished in between two other horses, they have to be able to stop on a dime, turn, go from a complete standstill to a full-out canter, um, go charging at another horse and not hit them. Uh, it, it's definitely a mix between agility, reining, um, endurance, it, <laughs> it takes a lot out of a horse to do it. <laughs> Not every horse will do it, that's for sure. <laughs> I can think of a few that we've owned over the years that would not have done it. <laughs> you don't see any I, I red ribbons and tails. Just wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. And then you think about all that that they have to do, and they most of teams pack flags. I require our riders to pack flags, and... So now you've not only got another horse charging at you, you've got them charging at you with, you know, a, a thing flying above their head, you know, with a spear. So <laughs> it really is true, though, that you got to have a well trained horse, but also a well trained, you got to have people that can ride, too. I mean, it, the, you know, it, it's not everybody riding that can go from that uh, standstill to the canter or to the lope. You know, it's, it's a good rider as well. 
Absolutely, because you're not really focusing on your horse. You've got to be able to look across the arena, watch where, you know, seven to 11 other riders are in that arena, know what they're doing, know where you're going, make alterations for somebody who may have stumbled and, you know, make up that timing if somebody's early um, when you're meeting in the middle. It's not just um, where you're sitting up there and you can, it's not all about just you and your horse. Your horse is, is your tool, but it's definitely, you're not thinking about the riding that you're doing. And I assume it's like anything else. There are just days when that test goes to crap. And it it goes to crap very quickly, and it stays that way the entire time. And then there are days that everything just works. Yep, you can be one of the best darn drill teams and have one of the crappiest rides you'll ever have when it comes to competition. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times you've practiced that drill. Um, that Sometimes things just fall apart. And there's nothing you can do but... Say you went in on top, you came out on top, and it was a good ride. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. The horses are always the equalizer in all our sports, aren't they? <laughs> Just... <laughs> That's exactly it. It, do- it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you have. It doesn't matter what kind of a disability you have. It doesn't matter, you know, what you've got going on. Um, that horse is the great equalizer, and you're, you're definitely a team with your horse. If somebody is there a website that somebody can go to if they well first of all what's your, you have a Facebook page for your group and you're in Washington if uh, and, and where do they find you? Um, well, Silver Creek Equestrian Drill Team, and you can look us up on Facebook. We're all in pink and teal, so okay. I saw that. It's very cute. Yeah, uh, are there men or is it all women? Uh, no, there's definitely a good handful of men. Um, Silver Creek is part of WLRCA, which is Washington Ladies Riding Club Association. But there are quite a few men who ride on multiple other teams. Um, the team that just won the Soto Cup, you know, uh, there's a husband and wife team that ride on that. And so it definitely takes a special kind of man to be able to put up with, with that many women. <laughs> I was going to um, say that. <laughs> I was late, waiting for you to say it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. But there's, uh, there's definitely, there's several men coaches, you know, um, Kurt Browning, uh, Kurt Carlisle, uh, Dan Myers, they're all, you know, men coaches, and they do amazing jobs. Absolutely amazing when it comes to coaching teams. Well, and there are drill teams all over the country. You can definitely check out ones in your area. But Charlene, thank you so much for getting up early and joining us and talking a little bit about drill. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. Thanks, Charlene. All righty. Have- well, the next guest we're going to get to in just a second. But first, uh, Jennifer is going to tell us a little bit about Total Saddle Fit. They make the shoulder relief cinch. And the shoulder shoulder relief cinch, very popular. You're seeing it all the tack shops nowadays. It's kind of unique because it improves the saddle fit and the horse's comfort. And how does it do that? The center of the cinch sits in your horse's natural girth groove, while the sides up there near your ankles are set back and attached to the latigos further back. And that prevents the saddle from being pulled onto the shoulders of your horse. Very uncomfortable, people. 
and allows for better elbow clearance. Yes, if your horse's elbows are being pinched by the cinch, that's a bad thing, and he's not going to be able to focus on his works. And it uses an interchangeable liner system so that the cinch can be used with either a top-quality limestone neoprene, wool felt, or wool fleece, whatever your horse likes. And it makes it easy to keep clean and allows flexibility because you can have one cinch and lots of different liners. And it is also, this is new, available in a fully synthetic version. And ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Newsflash, just new to the market. There is also a version of the cinch available that is designed specifically for Australian and trail saddles. You know, the ones that have the long billets that are wider than an English saddle. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. It works on any saddle that has inch and a quarter wide billets and it has a removable girth strap. So some Australians have that over girth part and some don't. So they were very clever and they put that over girth strap on there so that it is removable. So it doesn't matter which kind of saddle you have and you can learn more at totalsaddlefit.com or walk into your local tax store and you'll probably find them there. Thank you, Jennifer. And now your guest is ready if you want to introduce her. Great. Well, uh we had we had talked a little bit about uh, asking someone to come on and tell us about what it's like to start showing for the first time. And so I thought uh, that while we were here at this show, during the radio show, that it would be a perfect time to ask Diana Greenhaw to join us. So, uh, Diana, how are you this morning? I'm good. Thank you, Tara, because uh, I need one more thing to focus on this morning. So uh, I thought it would be great to do a radio show. <laughs> we'll, we promise to be nice. We yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Diana, if you could tell everybody a little bit, just tell everyone where you're from uh, and what you do when you're not horse showing. Sure. So... Uh, I am from Texas, regardless of where I live, uh, because I tend to move about a bit. Um, I actually live right now in San Francisco, California. Um, I work for a major credit card company um, doing risk management information security. So I travel all around the world, um, educating and working with businesses and legislators uh, to help them understand how to protect data. So about as far from the horse world uh, <laughs> as you can get. When, I am, when I'm not horse showing, I'm about as far away from it as you can get. You know, that, so Tara, that just goes to show that what I've always said is our listeners and our friends are all much smarter than we are and yeah. have really cool <laughs> jobs. Yeah. So what, how did you get into horses first? Let's start with that. Okay, so um, my family is from Texas. We have a ranch. I rode horses when I was very, very young. Um, and then, like a lot of people, um, I stopped riding and took about 25 years off. Uh, and I was actually in Singapore uh, on business. And one of my very good friends there, uh, she rides dressage and her husband plays polo. And she said, you know what, you're here for a couple of weeks come out to the, come out to the club every day with me. Uh, I usually go after work. And so I would go out with her every day after work and I would, uh, just hack around as they call it. Uh, we would just ride around on the polo ponies and I enjoyed it so much and just forgot how much I enjoyed being around horses. And so I promptly returned from that trip, uh, and started taking lessons. Uh, before I bought a horse, I started taking lessons with uh, a coach 
that was close to where I lived in Texas. Uh, and then probably a couple of months after that, I bought my first horse. And so then now is that the horse that you took to your first competition? Yes. The first horse that I bought is the horse that I took to the first competition. Um, neither of us having ever been to one. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your first, what made you decide to go and compete? So I really, when I got my first horse, it was really, um, I didn't have a plan. So a lot of what I was doing was trail riding and I had actually met Trevor Carter, um, because he came to the barn where I boarded my horse and took lessons with him, did some clinics with him, uh, but, but very beginner kind of, of training. And after doing a couple of those, uh, I think Kara, somehow you were involved in getting me started here. So, <laughs> Probably. um, <laughs> You guys, we, we talked about the fact that Trevor was going to be doing some shows um, and that the Stock Horse of Texas shows would be a great place for a beginner to really try it out. So um, I'm game for a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, sure. And we signed up and I signed up and that was with my first horse. She was a paint horse. Uh, she was great on the trail because she wasn't scared of very much. Um, but that really kind of was her skill set. Uh, she had not been to shows, was not used to showing, and certainly was not a horse that had been trained in precise maneuvers. So what was one of the things that you learned at that show or that caused you to say, I think I'd like to do this again? You know, um, when I look back at that first show, and I think I've told you this, I, I can't believe I ever signed up for another show. My first <laughs> show, uh, I was at with that horse, uh, while we were warming up in the warm-up area, the warm-up area was a grass parking lot, and it had rained that week. And while we were loping around, uh, we hit a muddy spot, and both of us fell to the fell to the ground, uh, me and my horse. So I was covered in mud, um, but both of us physically okay. Um, but she was very nervous. A lot of horses in the uh, in the warm-up pen, uh, she didn't really. Um, take to that very well. Uh, we did not do well in our classes. Um, I think she reared up on me in the trail course. So I was anxious. She was anxious. I have no idea what made me sign up for a second one, but, but I did. Um, I think what I liked about it is I liked the challenge. I liked challenging myself. I liked doing something with my friends um, because a lot of us at that first show were doing it for the first time. So we were all kind of having that same experience. And what, what's, what um, I was going to ask you. So now what is your favorite thing about showing? Like, do you have a certain event you like, or is it the same thing that you like about showing or what, what has evolved from, from then to now? Sure. So, uh, since that first show, uh, I've actually invested in a few more horses that were actually trained um, to do this kind of showing. And because what I realized is there was nothing wrong uh, with Kinsey, my first horse. She just wasn't trained in the discipline that I was trying to use her for. And so I thought, I, I realized that both of us were going to have more success um, if we were doing what we were trained for. And she is now with someone who uses her for trail riding. Uh, she keeps the beginner safe. So she is doing exactly what she was trained for uh, and exactly what she's good at. And I have invested 
uh, in a brother and sister horse, actually, that are trained for um, versatility and reined cow horse shows, which is uh, what I'm doing now. And what that has allowed me to do is really focus on my skills. The horses are trained, so I can really focus on what I'm doing. And it has made such a difference um, in my confidence in going into these events. And so I think what I enjoy about it is challenging myself. Um, this is so far from what I do on a day-to-day basis. And I am, in what I do on a day-to-day basis, I'm, I'm, it's kind of a niche field. I'm one of the best people that does it. I'm one of the kind of subject matter experts. And in this, I'm not, I have so much to learn. I have so much to learn from every person I meet. Um, and I have just learned so many things from so many people. And, and that's just part of what I enjoy about it is the learning. What's your, what's your best show hack or like what's one of your things you're like oh every show I do this and this just makes showing easier whether it's organizational or with your horse or like what's your tip you would give somebody so planning ahead um for the things that you can control and then I think you have to be adaptable you have to I think horse showing works on your patience whether you want it to or not um there's <laughs> a lot of hurry up and wait Um, And so I think it really helps. Like I said, it helps with patience, but control the things that you can and be comfortable and understand the things that you can't. So I know what I'm going to wear. Like when I pack, I consider myself to be a bit of a professional packer. I travel a lot, but I know what I'm going to wear. So I don't have to think about that, right? I get up in the morning. I know which jeans I'm putting on. I know which show shirt I'm wearing. I know where all of my things are. Um, I get my, and this has turned out to be really difficult to me. I find it really difficult to put my show number on my pad with the pins. (laughs) (laughs) I always poke myself. So I try to do that ahead of time. So I'm not scrambling at the last minute to put that on, Uh, but just control the things you can and, and just really kind of define those ahead of time Uh, because there is so much unknown in horse showing. Um, You're waiting for classes. You're, not when you think you are, you're having to hurry up. Um, you'll warm up thinking it's your time to go. And then it turns out, oh, you've got to wait another two hours before you have to ride. <laughs> so uh, it's just, just building in that flexibility and uh, not taking it too seriously. Um, the majority of us are not here to get paid. We're not making a living at this. So we need to remember that we're doing it for fun. And so what would you tell somebody who is thinking about showing, what would you tell them that it would do for their horsemanship? So I would say, first of all, do it. Even if you're afraid, even if you're anxious, do it. Um, Don't necessarily do it alone. Be with a friend. Even if the friend can't ride with you, they can come, they can be your support system. Um, It will absolutely work on your horsemanship. So I learn something from every class. I watch as many of the classes as I can. I learn I learn from watching the riders in the novice class and I were, I learned something when I watch the professionals in the open class, I have something very different to learn from them, but even a lot of people in the novice class have done this for a very long time. So watching the way that they work with their horses, watching the way that they prep, watching the way that they use the warm up pin is very helpful. I've also found, at least at this level of showing, um, that 
the the people that you're in the class with, everyone is very helpful. Everyone is very supportive. Um, I have made a lot of mistakes in the show ring and I have never felt like anyone thought I was in the way or that I shouldn't be in the class. Um, it's been very supportive and everyone tells you when you make that mistake, Hey, I've been there. This is what to do next time. Um, I think probably the other thing that I have learned, and this one was really important for me and what I would tell somebody is don't try to compete with the other people in your class or in the other, you're not there to compete against them. I realize it is a competition that (laughs) that's ultimately what we're there for. Um, but I feel like what I'm trying to do is do better than I did the last time. So I try to set my goals, not around winning the class, but Hey, I scored this last time, or Hey, I did this or Hey, in my trail class, I forgot an entire obstacle. So (laughs) I want to do better and read, (laughs) read the trail pattern uh, a bit better. So I I'm competing with myself um, and just trying to do a little bit better each time than I did the time before. So what events are you in today? So today I am riding uh, in the trail class, which is an event that, for those that aren't familiar, um, it is an event where you have to, with your horse, work through a number of obstacles. Because this is a ranch, uh, versatility ranch horse show, uh, those obstacles include things that you would do on a ranch. So you have to go through, open and close a gate. You have to go over logs. Uh, you have to back up in a certain pattern. So to just demonstrate maneuvers that you would have to use your horse for on the ranch. So I'll be doing uh, a trail class today. I will also be doing um, uh, a pleasure class, which is really a class where you're just showing off kind of the control of your horse that you can switch to specific gates moving from a walk to a trot or a trot to a lope uh, at specific points around the arena. Um, I think this afternoon I'm also in a reigning course or reigning class, um, which is just, again, demonstrating um, that your horse knows a number of maneuvers. uh, And with reigning, it's just knowing those maneuvers at speed. Very good. Well, because Diana is so into getting better all the time, she's actually doing those classes across a couple of divisions. So uh, we wish you <laughs> we wish you luck today, Diana, and thank you so much for taking time to to come on and tell us a little bit about what it's like to get into showing and and what and what you gain out of it. So good luck today, and we hope you have a wonderful time. I'll thank see you. you. In thank you guys five for seconds. talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, Diana. All right. Thank you so much. Well, there you go. That's that's. It's always fun to hear from the from the new people. You know what? And you know she's obviously well established and well spoken, and, and did a good job of explaining what it's like. Uh, but sometimes we forget, you know, when we do things for the first time, how scary it is. You know, that's and, right. Yeah, it is. It is kind of funny. Well, um, that we're going to wrap it up here today because you have a show to get to. You have to go out and help Diana and uh, and your 25 (laughs) other people that are there. So we appreciate you stopping by Tara. Tara, where can people find out how to work with you and your husband? Uh, You can go to carterranchhorse.com. Carterranchhorse.com is where you'll find it. And uh, have a funnel cake for me, please, uh, while you're out there. I will, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I love funnel cakes. So are you plain or do you put all kinds of goop on top? 
I'm plain. Yeah. Powdered sugar, yeah, that's all it needs. Why ruin something with a whole bunch of crap it doesn't need? I I totally agree (laughs) with you. And, of course, you can find the Horse Radio Network app, all 17 of our shows, at uh, just search for Horse Radio Network on iOS or Android. You'll find it there. If you want to follow along for the World Equestrian Games, it's a 2018 WEG show, a 2018 WEG show, and that's on the app as well, or 2018wegshow.com. And, of course, if you want to listen to all the past episodes that Tara has done, just go to horsesinthemorning.com scroll down to the middle of the page you're going to see some little banners one of those is a western banner there and you can click on that and it'll bring up all the past episodes you can go back and take a listen to those thank you again Tara for this month have fun at the uh, show in Colorado all right thank you y'all have a great time at WEG all right thank you and thank you to Horsewear and Total Saddle Fit as well <laughs>